Can I get some helpers to pass out her notes? I wrote down the scriptures for everyone because I have a full message today, and I didn't want to take time for everyone to look up the scriptures, so I'm giving them to you so you can read along. Because I have a lot of the word in this. Because it's the word of God that that will bring forth good fruit in our life. It's his word that's living and active and alive. It's his word that's going to work in us to bring about his purposes. So, anyway. Are we all good to go? Well, good morning. And possibly good morning to my sister in Sacramento. She might be watching this morning. So good morning to anyone online that might be joining us. Any of our members that are not here today that might join us online. Good morning. And good morning to everyone here. And also, Happy New Year. This is the first Sunday of the new year, which we already talked about this morning. And we already talked a little bit about... New Year's resolutions, and I have discovered that I am really bad at New Year's resolutions. I have made them and not followed through with any of them, so I just stopped doing that altogether. But I do look at a new year kind of in the new covenant perspective of this is a new start, a fresh start. And I did hear a word a couple of weeks ago, spoken by Chris Vallotton. I don't know if any of you have heard it, but it's called It's Halftime. I recommend that you look it up and listen to it. He spoke it maybe three weeks ago at his church. It is a phenomenal message to begin our new year with. In his word, he said, January is halftime for the church. And he likened it to a football game, the halftime of a football game. At halftime, the players rest, and they look at how they played the game in the first half. They watch videos of how it went, and then they strategize and regroup for the second half so that they can play the game to win. And I believe that that is what God wants for us in this new year. Take a minute. How am I playing the game? In this, in, it's not really a game, but how am I doing life right now? Am I the most effective that I can be in my life? Are my priorities right? Do I have them in the right order? So the Lord began to challenge me with this. But he didn't just challenge me recently. The word I got for today, the little phrase that began this whole message, actually came a couple of years ago while we were in the middle of COVID, and then we got in the middle of a bunch of political controversies, and then in this last year, we had wars begin to break out in the world, and all the world seems to be spinning around, and I'm like going, Lord, 
how do I stay, how do I stay, how do I make it through all this stuff? I mean, how do I live my life in such a way as I will be effective? And the Lord gave me this little phrase, and then he began to expound upon it. He said, I want you to focus on knowing, being known, and making known. To be known, to know, to be known, and to make known. And I went, oh, that's simple. I think there's a simplicity in Christ that God wants us to get back to. The gospel's not supposed to be complicated, and our life in God is not supposed to be complicated. It's supposed to be simple. And sometimes the world gets really complicated, but that's not our God, and that's not who He is. He wants it to be simple so that the smallest child can know Him and walk in His kingdom. And so the Lord began to challenge me in these things. And he began to challenge me first by making knowing him my priority. The first thing, knowing him. Because I know that no matter what happens in this coming year, I don't know what this year holds. I don't know what's going to happen. Some prophets are prophesying all kinds of strange things. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know that if I know God, I will be able to make it through whatever happens in his grace. So that's where we're going to start. And I'm going to pull out scriptures about knowing him. To know God is our greatest privilege, our highest priority, one of the great provisions of the new covenant, and one of the purposes for which the Son of God came. And not only is it a privilege for us to know God, but it is rather profound to me that God even wants to be known by us. Think about it. He's the creator of the universe, and we have done nothing but go astray, and yet God longs for us to know him. From the beginning of this Bible... From the beginning to the end. The last chapter is called a revelation of Jesus Christ. The very first word is in the beginning God created. Creation is a revelation of who God is so that we can know him. In fact, it says that in Romans. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Since creation, God has been making himself known to mankind. And, our, and the whole word of God is filled with examples of God making himself known. And it, the culmination of God making himself known is by sending his son, Jesus Christ. And this is what it says about Jesus in Colossians 1.15. The son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. Colossians 2, 9, for in Christ, 
all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In Hebrews 1.3, it says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. Now, I'm not going to separate out there. I will be having scriptures today that talk about knowing Jesus, and there will be scriptures that talk about knowing God. I'm not going to separate out the Father and Son because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If we know, he, the Father and I are one, he said. So knowing Jesus is knowing God. They just have different aspects, but I'm going to kind of keep them together today as I speak about knowing God. Okay. Now, in the Old Covenant, we notice that there were a few people who came to know God, and they were very significant as we read the Old Testament. But the Old Covenant had limitations in knowing God. There was a veil in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was only a partial revelation of who God is. There was a veil there. But the full revelation of who God is comes through Jesus Christ. And it says through Jesus, that veil is removed. And so important was knowing him to God that he actually, when he gives the provisions in the old covenant, he talks about a new covenant that he's going to make. And this is what he says about that new covenant. This is one of the provisions. This is important to God. No longer will each man teach his neighbor or his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. God was not satisfied that only a few people knew him. He wanted everyone to know him. All of us, from the least to the greatest. Think about it. God died so we could know him. Jesus died to make the new covenant. Jesus is God, and he died so we could know him. That's how important it is to God. And not only does he want us to know him, but he wants us to know him intimately and closely. Both of the words in the Hebrew language and the Greek language that talk about knowing God, and the word in the Greek language is gnosko, is it gnosko? Okay, I got it right. Properly means to know, especially through personal experience, first-hand acquaintance. God wants to be known personally by us through first-hand experience. Both those words in the Hebrew and the Greek are words that are used in other places in the Bible to talk about sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. That's how closely God wants us to know him. And to me, it is profound that we are invited into a kind of relationship with God where we can know him. Paul sets the bar for us. He considered knowing God the most important thing in his life. Philippians 
More than that, I count all things loss compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Every, all of his accomplishments, he considered loss. Now, that word loss is interesting. I looked it up, and it means a bad business deal that results in a fine or penalty. Nothing else was more important to him than knowing God. And this is what it says in the Amplified. It's very beautiful. But more than that, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequaled. Wow, I love that. So let me give you some more reasons why we should make that the priority of our life. John 17, 3, Jesus said, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. We have eternal life through our knowledge of God. John 17, 26, Jesus said, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Whoa, that's how we get filled with God, is by knowing him. 2 Peter 2, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Everything we need for life and godliness comes through the knowledge of him. So as we know him, we have everything we need. Wow, that kind of makes my priorities go a little higher, doesn't it? Like, oh, that is kind of the main thing, isn't it? I mean, if I have that, I have everything else. Daniel 11.32, but the people who do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That's pretty cool. So important is knowing God that it is the very place of the warfare that we might experience. Listen to the way this scripture is worded. The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We tear down arguments and every presumption set up against the knowledge of God. What is the enemy after? The knowledge of God. He does not want God to be known. There's a scripture that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, or we need faith to please God. And it says, it gives this little statement, it says, whoever comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. 
What are the two lies of the enemy? There is no God, right? He's going after the knowledge of God. There is no God. Oh, well, if there is a God, he's certainly not good. What good would it be for me to seek him, right? He's after the knowledge of God. And when Lewis, I, I read this to Lewis, and he, he got a real revelation, and this is what he said. We are battling to protect, preserve, and propagate the knowledge of God. We can grow in the knowledge of God. Second Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.10, actually beginning with verse 9, we have not stopped praying for you so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So this is something we grow in. So what are some keys to knowing God? Our first key is Jesus. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus was the ultimate revelation of the Father. And it's through him that we have access to God and we can come to know God personally. John 5.20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is at the Father's side has made him known. The other thing that we need is a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because knowing God comes by revelation. Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking them, this is Paul praying for the people that he has ministered to. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Right? So we can begin to pray for those around us and for ourselves. God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to know you more. Show me who you are. Reveal yourself to me. And there are some really practical things we can do to know God. And I consider those the, the spiritual disciplines. How do we get to know people around us? We spend time with them. Really practical, really simple. We can spend time with God in the Word. He is the Word, so we're going to learn a lot about Him through the Word. I mean, that's who He is. But have on your new covenant glasses when you read it, please. Because the, when the, because it, it, Paul even says, to this day when the Old Covenant is read, the veil remains. So you need to read it through the lens of Jesus when you read the Bible, right? Through the New Covenant eyes, right? 
So we get to know him through reading his word. And I've been on a little bit of a journey in that area myself personally. I actually spent a season of time not reading the Word. And that was because I was in a bit of a Bible school. And the things he was teaching was, I have been in such a learning curve, I have to tell you. The things he was teaching was so different from what I had grown up with in religion that I had to stop reading the Word for a little bit and get a fresh perspective. But then I found that when I started reading the Word again, I was struggling a little bit to get back into it. And I realized that as I persevered, and as I, and sometimes it, how can I say this? Like it doesn't always have to be a glory moment when you read the Word right? It's like eating a meal. Um, I heard someone say this just the other day. It's like eating a meal. What I had a week ago Thursday for lunch, I might not remember what I ate, but my body today is nourished by what I had previously, right? So you may not always, when you get into the Word and read the Word, not every time you read it or not every time you spend that time with God will it always be this like, wah, glory moment. But it's like eating. You do it because it's important to your life and existence. And we do it not, and there will be those times when you just go, oh, the Lord will suddenly, a light will come on a scripture and it'll just open up to you. But if you didn't take the time to read it, you wouldn't have that glory moment, right? So as I've been pressing back into the Lord and pressing back into the Word, I've just, um, it's been a growing back in love with it again, right? A growing back in love with it. But now I'm seeing it through new lenses and new perspective, and I'm seeing it with so much more excitement because of the things I learned, right? So I'm not going to talk too much more about that, but I'll just leave that there. Also, prayer is another time when we can get to know the Lord because prayer is talking. When we talk to people, we get to know them. And prayer can be a two-way street with the Lord. We talk to him, but he can also speak back to us. We need to listen for his voice. Worship is another wonderful time of getting to know the Lord. I have had some incredible revelations, especially in corporate worship. I have had some amazing revelations of just, that's when I get those revelations of the awesomeness and splendor of God, where he is just way above and so powerful. And it's like it puts my heart at ease concerning the troubles in the world because I know, whoa, he's so much greater than all that stuff. Getting to know him and who he is. But don't leave him when you close your Bible, when you open your eyes from your prayer, <laughs> and when you come out of your time of worship, don't leave him behind, right? Leave that time with an awareness of his presence and do life with him. Look, I didn't really know Lewis until I married him and started doing life with him. I mean, he could have written me letters all about him. This is what I like and this is what I don't like. But I wouldn't know him, truly know him, unless I did life with him. Do life with God. Acknowledge him in every step of your day. In the difficult parts and the good parts, acknowledge. I mean, he's in you. Do life with him. Some of the most profound times I've had with God have been when I'm tilling the soil in my garden, pulling weeds. 
and when I'm pruning my flowers, and then when I'm teaching my first graders, I learn so much about him. So do life with him. God doesn't want our life to be separated between this is spiritual and this is my natural life. Oh, I can't wait to end my natural life so I can get back into with, with God, right? No, he wants our lives integrated so that everything we do, we do to the glory of God, right? Right? Whether it's washing dishes, scrubbing the floor, it's all for the glory of God, and he's with us in everything we do, right? Also, I want to propose that it might be possible that the obstacles and difficulties and trials that we face might actually be opportunities to know him more. Right? If I'd never been sick, would I know him intimately and personally as my healer? If I'd never experienced weakness or fatigue, would I know him as my strength? If I'd never been oppressed, which I have been, would I have known, would I have come to know him as my deliverer? If I'd never experienced loss or sadness, I wouldn't know him as my comforter. And if I didn't ever have a financial need, I wouldn't know him as my provider. Everything we face in life is an opportunity to know him more. So now I'm going to mess up everything I just said about making that our priority. And I'm going to talk about the next step, to be known. Because with God, it's a two-way street. It's a relationship. He wants us to know him as he knows us. He knows us. Galatians 4.9, this is the first place I kind of stumbled across this concept of knowing God and being known by him. It says, Galatians 4.9 says, now this is Paul speaking to the Galatians. They were being pulled, there was a group who came into that church and were trying to pull them back into keeping the law, saying, well, yeah, it's good that you're following Jesus, but now you also need to keep the law of the Jews. And Paul was saying, no, stop it. <laughs> and this is what he says, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Right? But listen to this. But now that you know God, or rather, are known by God, that word, or rather, actually means that what's to follow is better than what he just said. In another version, which is the um, contemporary English version, it says it just a little bit better to the meaning of the original words. It says, but now that you know God, or better still... God knows you, or better still. Okay, so now I've just told you about how awesome it is to know God. 
And now I'm going to tell you there's one thing better still. God knows you. And God knows me. He knows us. 1 Corinthians 8, 3. But whoever loves God is known by God. God knows me and you. He knows us individually and personally. And this is very comforting. Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 139 has several verses. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Verse 3, before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Verse 13, before you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And Jesus said, and even the very hairs of your head are numbered. That's pretty cool. I mean, like, and I have different number of hairs than other people do, right? Yeah, mine are numbered and yours are numbered. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, some of you are already <laughs> going there. Well, <laughs> oh, it's so precious. First Corinthians thirteen twelve. Now we see, but a dim reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am no fully known. So Paul says, I am fully known, but my knowledge of God right now is not full, but it is growing and becoming more full. So God knows us fully, but we are growing in our knowledge of him. But I want to suggest that Perhaps there is an us or a you or a me that we don't fully know yet, but only God knows. So if God knows us fully, he also knows who he has fully created us to be. And I don't think we are yet, we yet have a revelation fully of who we are. And I think that revelation of who we are comes as we get to know him. So it's kind of like a circle. As I get to know God, I find out who I am because I've been created in his image, right? So think about when Peter, when Jesus said to his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, right? So Peter had a revelation who of who Jesus was. And then Jesus turned back around to Peter, and he wasn't called Peter then, he was called Simon. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And I tell you, you are Peter, which means rock, and in the, in the Aramaic, it was Cephas, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. 
So Peter had a revelation of Jesus, and then Jesus turned around and gave Peter a revelation of who he was going to be. Changed his name to Rock, and Peter was a, was a foundation stone in the building of the church. So as Peter came to know Jesus, Jesus let Peter know who he was. And I believe that's the th same thing that will happen to us. As we come to know him, he's going to let us know who we are. And there is a groaning that is happening on the earth for a revealing of who we are. So let me read this. There is a revealing of who we are yet to come. Paul speaks of a glory that will be revealed in us. In fact, all of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. There is a knowing of the sons of God that is yet to be revealed. Not only is creation groaning, but we are groaning inwardly. Doesn't it go on to say that? And the Spirit is groaning for this as well. Wow. And that's in Romans 8, 18 through 21. And then in verse 29 it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. The groaning and the travailing that's happening is for our transformation into the fullness of what God has created to be, and that is in his image. We are being transformed into his image as we grow in our knowledge of him. Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. So we are growing in knowledge of him, and we are growing in our representation of him so that we can become more like him. So that we can go on to the next thing, which is to make him known. Right? Making him known is our ultimate assignment. And my ultimate weakness. I'm just going to be honest with you. I like what Paul said. I think I wrote it down here. I like what Paul says. He, where, does that, where did I write that? Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward toward what is ahead. All right, so I may not be excellent at this. In fact, I happen to be pretty poor at it, making him known. So... We can only make known what we know, and we can only show what we know. But we all know a little bit something, don't we? 
All of us who have come to the Lord know something about him. And any of us who have walked any length of time have come to know him in lots of different ways. And we can make him known. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us triumphantly as captives in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Now, perfume is something that women often put on in the morning. And by the middle of the day, we don't even realize we've got it on anymore. But every place we go, people may be smelling that, right? Sometimes we don't even realize the effect we're having on people around us. But because Christ is in us, we carry his fragrance with us whether we know it or not, or whether we are purposefully saying anything about him or not. We carry him with us, and our presence has impact wherever we go, whether we realize it or not. But then there's also the other aspect of where there are times we really do need to speak with our mouth and make him known, right? How will they know unless someone tells them, right? And he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. It says 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. It's one of my favorite verses that talk about our ministry. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's trespasses against them. That doesn't say telling them their trespasses against them. It says not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, and this is the message. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God we're making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He's not counting your sins against you anymore. All that stuff the Holy Spirit's been convicting you of, God's forgiven it in Christ. Come to him. That's our message. Pretty good news, I'd say. So in my weakness, I began to cry out to the Lord. We had some changes in our life in COVID. One was I no longer went to the club to do my workouts, so I started walking around my neighborhood. And while I was walking around my neighborhood, I had lots of time to pray, so that became my prayer walk time. It was better than sitting at my desk because I fall asleep. So I'm, I'm much better walking and praying. And so I'm walking around my neighborhood, and I'm talking to the Lord, and I'm saying, Lord, I am really weak in this telling people about you. I come in contact with people, and first of all, I don't remember names very well. Sometimes I don't know what to say in conversations. I maybe meet someone, maybe get to know someone a little bit, and I walk away going, oh man, why didn't I offer to pray for them? I mean, they just shared something on their heart. I should have prayed for them. Or, gosh, I should have said this, right? <laughs> this would have been encouraging and it would have brought Christ into the center of that. To, to, I, I'm so weak in this. And I'm praying to God, 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 help me. So he gave me some scriptures to pray. All right, so these are the scriptures I started to pray. 
And these are prayers actually that some of, uh, actually Paul asked the, the Ephesians to pray for him this way. Pray for me also that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will boldly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it fearlessly as I should. So if Paul needs to pray that prayer, I mean, Paul, who turned the whole, I mean, he, I mean, he turned the whole world upside down. He asked for prayer that he would pray, be bold and fearless and that words would be given to me. So I started to pray, Lord, give me words. I need words to speak when I encounter people that need to know you. Second, uh, 1 Peter 3.15, I also, um, also started to pray this over myself. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Wow, that's a beautiful demeanor too. How are we sharing our Jesus? Are we doing it with gentleness and respect? Are we respecting them for where they're at? How are we coming across to them? And being prepared to give an answer, that word answer means a thought-out response. So sometimes we may not know what to say, but God will give us things to say. But you know what? It's okay to think things out a little bit and think it through. How would I answer someone or, or someone? And it is interesting to anyone who asks. So here people are actually asking. You're not saying anything. You're just living your life, but they're recognizing, oh, you have hope. Why do you have hope? And they're asking about the hope. So there's that open door, right? But it's okay to think out responses. So I began to ask the Lord, Lord, start to give me responses that I can, so that when I come into contact with people and I have that opportunity, that I'll have something to say. And I, my mind will be blank and I'll just be going, you know, it's, it's frustrating sometimes. <laughs> And then Colossians 4.3, pray, pray for us too that God will open a door of opportunity to us for the word to proclaim the mystery of Christ. So pray for open doors. All right? So I'm walking around my neighborhood and I'm praying for open doors. I'm praying that God will give me words. And as I'm doing this, and now during the school year, I walk really early in the morning, like at five o'clock in the morning. But other times, like during breaks um, or, or like during COVID, I was walking during the daytime and something started to happen. I started to meet my neighbors. <laughs> Imagine that. That was kind of cool. I started to meet my neighbors. I started, we started saying hi. Then the highs went to, how are you doing today? And how are you doing today? Meant a little conversation. And they start telling, you know, we start sharing stories and exchanging about our lives. And sometimes what they share, they start to share their aches and their pains. I started to get to know the lady across the street a little better. Just, I, I'm not very bold and I'm not one of those, you know, but we just started to have a relationship. And she started to tell me about herself and she's, she's single, she lives alone and she's having a lot of pain and she couldn't get to, to the gym anymore to work out and she was discouraged about that. And all of a sudden I had a little courage, boldness come up in me. 
And then all of a sudden the words start coming. Well, well, now, I don't think she's a believer at this point, but the, I started to ask, well, would you be okay? Could I pray for you? Could I pray for that? She looks at me, she says, her heart, she just softens. Oh, yes, I would really like that. So I laid my hands on her and I prayed for her. A couple weeks later, she calls Lewis and I over and she says, Rose, Rose, my leg is so much better since you prayed for me. It's so much better. And I've had several opportunities now to speak with her and to pray with her. And she doesn't like living in Grant's Pass. And I had this scripture keep going through my head. It was one in Acts, and it only says it a certain way in the NIV, and it kept going on in my head. And I'm like, Lord, why am I thinking about this scripture all the time? And all of a sudden, we're talking at, at, the, at the sidewalk, and she's saying, I have no idea why I am here in Grant's Pass. She says, I, I don't, the culture here is not my culture. I'm from a big city. I don't like, I don't like hiking. I don't like nature. I, you know, she, I have very few people I know here. She says, I have no idea why I'm Grant's, in Grant's Pass. And I said, that is the strangest. I want, can I share a, a Bible verse with you? This is, this is this, and I, so I shared with her this Bible verse, Acts 17, 26. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And I was able to say, you're here in Grant's Pass because God wants you to find him. That's why you're here. And maybe that's why I'm her neighbor. I don't know. Why are the people your neighbors that are living around you? Or in the, your place of business, they're your neighbors too. Or the place where you shop, they're your neighbors too. Right? How am I doing on time? Okay, I have one more little story I want to tell. And this is about another neighbor. And this is in this time I'm praying to God to help me be, have courage to share about him. And Lewis and I went on a walk one morning. I think we were, it was spring break. We we're getting ready to go on a little trip. And we decided to go for a walk before we went for a long drive. And we're coming back up our street. And I see a couple that I have never seen before. And they are about a block ahead of us. And I'm noticing some interaction between them. It's like there's a little bit of, um, I don't know how to explain it, like a little disagreement going on. Um, they're not agreeing. There's something going on. And then she's trying to pull on him, and he pulls away from her, and he goes and he stands, and he looks kind of with this blank stare just down the street, kind of in the direction we're coming from. And she's standing back a little bit away from him, and she's got her cell phone in her hand, and she's just watching him intently. And I'm noticing, well, first of all, the look on his face was kind of odd. Like something's not quite right. Something's going on with him. And she's looking at him quite concerned as if she's watching him for some reason and keeping an eye on him. And so I'm like, you know, 
like, do we get involved? Do I say anything? Are they okay? I mean, you know, you've got all these questions going through your mind when you don't know people and you're seeing a little disturbance going on. You're like, should I say anything? And all of a sudden, I got courage. And, and I walked toward her and I, and I said, are you okay? And are you keeping an eye on him? And she said, yes. And all of a sudden, she started spilling out her story. He's in the last stages of Alzheimer's. He leaves the house and disappears, and they can't find him, and they, the police bring him back. And she followed him out of the house because he was on his way out again. They'd been married for 49 years, and he didn't know her anymore. Her heartache... He was a pastor. All this in a few short moments. And she said, he won't go back home. He's waiting for his envoy. His envoy. And I heard in my heart, you are his envoy, Rose. And I went, I have no idea what that means. Okay, so I said, and he, she said, I can't get him to go back home with me. He won't go back home. He does still remember our daughter, and I'm going to try calling her. And I said, well, would, would, would he let us pray for him? Like, would that be okay? Sometimes you don't know. Like, that could spark, make things worse. I didn't know, so I asked her permission. And she just, her heart just jumbles, starts crying. She says, yes, please, would you? So Lewis and I go up to Norman. And we say, and I say to him, Norman, we're the envoy you're waiting for. And we would like to pray for you. So we prayed for Norman and we felt led to pray the peace of God on Norman. And we prayed for his mind. And we pray for his wife. Was Norman healed? No. But the peace of God came on him. And she said to him, Norman, would you like to go home now? And he said, yes, I would. And she led him off back home. It wasn't as grand as I would have liked, right? I would have loved to see him healed, right? So for a long time, I didn't see them again. Just recently, I've seen her again. He passed a year ago. He made, she said he made it to our 50th anniversary, which was her heart's desire. We pray a lot together, his wife and I. I see her, we walk, sometimes catch each other in the walks together. We talk and pray together. She's become a friend now. But when I went home from that, from that encounter with Norman, I said, Lord, I have a question. What is an envoy? <laughs> so I went to the dictionary. And this is what an envoy is. A minister plenipotentiary. <laughs> Don't you love it when the dictionary <laughs> makes you use the dictionary <laughs> to find out what another word means? I'm like, what is a minister pl plenipotentiary? This is a minister plenipotentiary, a person, especially a diplomat, invested with the full power of independent action on behalf of their government, 
typically in a foreign country. I'm going to tell you Norman's last, Norman's last message, his last preach was to me. Church, the world is like Norman. They've forgotten who they are. They've lost their way, and they don't know how to get back home. And they're waiting for us to be their envoy. They're waiting for their envoy. And we are their envoy. know, to be known, and to make known. We don't have to do it We don't have to do it perfectly. It's a journey, and we're all growing in various stages of all of our journey. And sometimes the most sometimes people just want to be heard and loved on. And we make it some big thing, like I've got to have this evangelistical spiel that. <laughs> so let's stand. So, Father, as we just step into this new year, God, we want to just clear the clear the board of all the lesser important things, Lord, all the things that have been detracting and maybe taking time away from the most important things, God. And we want to set you as first in our life, knowing you first, God. And God, we do pray, Lord, that you would open doors of opportunity. And Lord, even in our weakness, that you would use us, Lord. That we would be on the envoy that the world is looking for to show them the way back to you, Lord. And Lord, that we might know you more, Lord, that no matter what comes our way this year, we will be able to stand because we know our God. And we will do mighty exploits because we know our God. And Lord, show us how to do life with you at every level. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. That, my friends, was a powerful word. Well done, sister. You know, I, I truly believe as we press in and get rehydrated, by the word of the Lord, by reading the word, by practicing the word, acting on the word, that we will become those signs that make people wonder. And God will have us and give us many encounters, and we will have the courage that we need to step up and step into that moment. Amen? Such a good word. Man. Whew. Well... School starts tomorrow, so we got to put up chairs. Um, so if you don't mind helping with chairs. If, if you guys need prayer for anything, please come up. 
Um, if you'd like Rose to pray over you, <laughs> please come up. <laughs> what an anointed word. God bless you guys.